Jesus Christ. 
I want you to take your Bibles once again, if you would now, and turn to Matthew chapter 28, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28. Matthew chapter 28. I'm thankful today is Resurrection Sunday. I'm thankful that we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been there for the very first Resurrection Sunday? Can you imagine what it would have been like there? I want you to, to picture it with me. It's a, a true story. We're going to read it here in just a moment. But it's Resurrection morning. You've got Mary Magdalene. You've got Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. They're going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with oil. If you remember, on the day of this crucifixion, because it was getting near dusk, the ladies didn't have the time to prepare the, the body of Jesus before it was placed in the tomb. And the Bible says that these three women, they were approaching the tomb, and they asked this question among themselves. They said, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? You can imagine, here's these three ladies, there's this great big... Uh, round stone in front of the tomb and they're wondering how are we going to get it out of the way so we can get to the body of Jesus it's interesting if you look at the gospels of Matthew Mark Luke and John all of them tell us the stone is rolled away from the door already as they arrive there at the tomb all four gospels tell us that it is Matthew and Mark that tells us that an angel rolled away the stone Luke and John they only tell us that the stone was rolled away already when the ladies got there but as you look at the resurrection account in the four Gospels, the thing that strikes you is when you look at this and you realize that all four Gospels mention the stone was rolled away. Now, why is that? Why is it important the stone was rolled away? You ever thought about that? I mean, why? And it's included in all four Gospels. And, and, and you know, for God to mention it all four times, there must be a reason why God put it there for us to read. There must have been some importance behind the fact of that stone being rolled away. But why? I hope to answer that question this morning. And I want you to stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. Let's all stand in Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse number 1. Matthew 28, verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. 
And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they parted quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. Would you join me as we have a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you and praise you. Thank you so much, Lord, for Resurrection Sunday. Lord, I'm so thankful for the victory that you had there for us and, and dying on the cross and paying our sin debt and rising again the third day. And Lord, I pray that today that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that every person here today would understand what it means to know you. Not know of you, but know you as their personal Savior today. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts. Lord, I'm thankful that you made it possible for us to have eternal life. And Lord, you tell us how we can have it, how we can know. Lord, I pray that today that we would have the faith to believe and trust in you completely and personally. Lord, that each person today would know they're on their way to heaven. Lord, speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. The first thing I want you to notice with me here today as we look at this passage, number one, Jesus did not need the stone rolled away in order to come out of the grave. He didn't have to have that stone moved away from that opening for him to be able to come out of that grave. I mean, listen, my Bible tells me that anything is possible with God. You all believe that today? God's Word tells us that anything is possible. I can say this, if I found myself or you found yourself inside some empty tomb and there was a big stone rolled in front of the door, I'd be knocking if I was alive. You all know what I'm talking about? I'd be screaming. I'd be saying, hey, somebody out there, there's a big stone in front of the door. Would you please come and roll this thing away? I'd be praying. Are you all with me? God, please send somebody to roll this stone away from the door. You know, we, we look at stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, this is the reality of what happens. For us, we think about, yeah, that stone's got to be rolled away because I can't get out otherwise. We're not God. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus Christ did not need somebody to come and to move that stone. <laughs> You know, it's amazing, in the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, Jesus appears to his disciples on the resurrection evening that night by walking through a locked door. You remember the story of doubting Thomas, and you see the story how he's there. Jesus is there in the upper room, and Jesus reveals himself, and, and he goes right through that door. He did not open the door. He went through the door. Now, I don't understand that, but I know he's God. <laughs> I know he can do it if he chooses to. In that same Jesus, he went right through that door. He could have gone right through that stone that blocked the entrance. Once again, my Bible says nothing's impossible with God. He could have walked through it. And so Jesus, he didn't have to summon an angel to come from heaven to roll back that stone to get out. And by the way, that angel wasn't coming from heaven to get exercised, to come down there and just do it for no reason. It wasn't for Jesus, though. Huh. You see, the stone was rolled away. And there was a reason for it. And it wasn't so Jesus could get out. It was for his followers. It was for those disciples. It was for those people that had heard the testimony of Jesus Christ prior to his crucifixion. The people that had heard what he had said, and so it was for them. It was also for every generation thereafter of believers. It was for us today. It was for you and for me. And I want to tell you why. First of all, the stone was rolled away to prove that all Jesus said was true. 
All that he said was true. I'm going to share a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 says this, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. That's Jesus speaking, by the way. He's telling them what's going to happen, telling his disciples that he's going to die. In Luke chapter 18, verse 31, it says, then he took up him the twelve and said unto them, behold, we go to Jerusalem and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully, spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. There he is once again. He's telling his disciples exactly what's going to happen. And then, on that resurrection morning, the angel at the tomb spoke to the three women, and he said this to them. Listen to what he said very closely. In Luke 24, verse 6, it says, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So when they came to that tomb that was empty, the tomb that had the stone rolled away, the angel literally reminded them of the words that Jesus Christ had told them prior to his crucifixion. He was reminding them that Jesus Christ told them what he was going to do, but he wasn't there because he was alive. And so that stone was rolled away, not for Jesus to be able to get out of it, but to prove to his followers of all generations that his words are true. God cannot lie. Jesus Christ was Emmanuel. He was God in the flesh, and he never one time told a lie. He said exactly what was going to happen, and that's precisely what happened. And all of it took place, and it was right down to the very words of what Christ said to prove to all generations that his words are true. Now let me ask you, how many people do you know who rose from the dead to live forevermore? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Do you know anybody that rose from the dead? I don't know anybody personally here. I'm talking about on earth right now, okay? There's only one that I know, and that's Jesus Christ. I know he's alive. He lives within my heart. I know that he's alive. There's no question in my heart about it. You know, you look at people that, that were raised from the dead. How about Lazarus? Lazarus rose from the dead only one day to return to the grave. He did die one day. We also, we know the daughter of Jairus the, the, uh, that rose from the dead only one day to return to the grave. By the way, Jesus did these miracles. He rose from, he raised him from the dead. How about the son of the widow of Nain rose from the dead only one day to return to the grave. But you know what? Jesus, he rose and lives forever. He no longer had to go back to the grave. That, that tomb is empty today. Jesus Christ rose again. Now let me ask you, if Jesus can proclaim that he is going to rise from the grave to, to live everlasting and actually do it, what does that say about everything else he said? You think about that. He was the one that prophesied it. He is the one that said it was going to happen. He told him exactly how it's going to happen. He said all these things before he died. All of it took place just like he said. And then he rose from the dead. You know what? What he says, you can count on it is what that means. You can believe it with all of your heart. You know what he said? There's some other things he said. He said that he would die for our sins, and he did. And we can rely on that. He paid your sin debt. He said that he would leave us the Holy Spirit of God as a comforter and a guide to direct us. You can rely on that. He said that, he, that death could not hold us either. 
And you can mark that down, that death's not going to hold you. As a child of God, if you've been born again, God has made a promise to you that death will not hold you. He said that he's preparing a place for us, a mansion there in heaven for us. You know what that means? He said it. That means it's going to happen. That means it's happening. And we're going to have a home in heaven for all eternity. He said that he's coming back again. How many of y'all believe that Jesus Christ is going to keep his word and he's coming back again? You believe that? Amen. Yes. Jesus Christ said it was going to happen, and it did. And that stone was rolled, not so Jesus could get out, but to remind us that everything that Jesus said was true. Secondly, that stone was rolled away to make the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and this marked this down, a foundational fact of the Christian life. It was to make it as a foundational fact of the Christian life. Now, if you want to look, um, um, look in the Bible to find verses about faith, What's probably your first place you're going to go to? First place you think of is Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Especially, specifically, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know what's interesting is this, is that we're not asked to believe the resurrection by faith alone. Think about that for a moment. We're not asked to believe in the, the resurrection by faith alone. We are asked to believe Jesus' resurrection as a fundamental fact of the Christian faith. Now, maybe you haven't grabbed onto what I'm talking about yet. I think you will. As we get into this, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's not just blind faith believing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It is a fundamental fact of Christianity. It is a foundation of what we believe. And it's a fact. You see... You can go to the tomb today, and, it, and there's two different places they say that it is, but if you could go there and find the exact place, you would find that it is empty. And yes, I could say that's by faith believing that. But here's the thing. It wasn't about what just happens today. It's about what happened the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's about who was there, who saw it, what witnesses were there to see it when he rose from the dead. You know, if Jesus did not appear to the three women as they ran back to report at an empty tomb, if he didn't appear to the men on the road to Emmaus, if he didn't appear to the disciples in that locked room that night, if he did not appear to the Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, if he did not appear to some 500 other people as reported by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then we'd have to believe by faith that Jesus rose from the grave. And I do believe by faith, by the way. But it's more than just faith. It's a fact because all these witnesses attest to the fact that they saw the risen Savior. And it's an absolute fact based on the truth of what they saw with their own eyes. And because that tomb is empty, because of his appearance to so many, it is a foundational fact of our faith that we have a resurrected Savior. And it's from that basis that basic foundation fact that Jesus did indeed rise from the grave that everything else we believe is built upon. And I say that based on what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. He said this. Now listen to what he says. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, now say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. There were doubters then too. Even though people had seen it with their own eyes over 500 at one time and all these different occurrences people saw him. He says that there's some that... that now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. 
It is an absolute fundamental fact of our belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There are people that saw it, and I, by faith, believe the word of God. Obviously, faith is part of it, but it is a fact of the faith that people saw it. Thirdly, the stone rolled away to reveal to us that Jesus' death was not in vain. It was not in vain. I love what the angel says here in our our text here in Matthew. Notice there, if you would, look at verse number 5 once again. Notice what the angel says. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Mark that in your mind. Crucified. Look at the next verse. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Here we see the angel, he saw a connection, or he showed the connection between the crucifixion and the resurrection. He was sure to say both of those things. The angel, he could have just said, he is risen. He could have just said, yeah, he rose from the dead, he's risen. But that connection of the crucifixion and resurrection is so important to us. It's so important to us as believers. It was so important that Jesus, he even taught that to his disciples. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Notice what it says there. Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. There's the connection once again. We see the crucifixion. We see the resurrection. You've got to have both. It's important that you have both. If there was a crucifixion without a resurrection, our sins would be forgiven, but there'd be no eternal life for us in heaven. Wrap your mind around that for a moment. If there was a resurrection but no crucifixion, Jesus would be in heaven, but we would be spending eternity in hell separated from God because the wages of sin is death. And I would be paying for my own sin debt, which, by the way, I could never pay for. It would take all eternity and I would never pay for it. There is a place called heaven, there's a place called hell, and Jesus Christ died, and he rose again. He died to pay our sin debt, and he rose again that we could have everlasting life in heaven with him. He paid our sin debt. He was victorious over the grave for us that we could have victory. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ connected these two events, that he died for our sins. That's what I want to start with. I want you to think about that for a moment. He died for our sins. Did Christ die for your sins? Are you a sinner? Have you sinned? Some people would say, well, I'm a good person. That's not the question. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us, that means none of us do good all the time. None of us are right all the time. The Bible says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how good we try to be, we try to be as perfect and holy as God, but we always fall short. We're all falling short. All of us are sinners. There's not a person that's sitting here today that that is 100% perfect. You might be a good person as the world sees. And I know a lot of good people here. But the truth of the matter is, the bottom line is, we're still all sinners. You ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? You ever told a lie? The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. You ever told a lie? I mean, a little white lie? You ever taken something that wasn't yours? The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. Have you ever done that? If you've ever told a lie, that means you're a liar, by definition. If you ever took something that wasn't yours and you stole it, you you are a thief, by definition. 
You might try to do good and you're trying to be a good person, but nonetheless, no matter what you try to do, you can never change the fact that you're a sinner. Because if you've ever sinned, then you're a sinner. As a matter of fact, the Bible even goes further than that. It says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were born that way. We came into this world with a sinful nature. Nobody has to teach children how to sin. Little children understand how to do it. Nobody has to teach them because they were born that way. They were born from the seed of Adam all the way back to the Garden of Eden is where it all starts. Born sinners. I was born that way. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was dead spiritually. I had no connection with God. I couldn't worship God because we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I was dead spiritually. There was emptiness in my heart. And every one of us were born that way. We all come to the age of what we call accountability where we understand that we're doing wrong. You choose to do wrong. Some people are different ages than others. But I can guarantee you, if you're 40 years old, you've done past that age, if you know what I'm talking about. You know when you're doing wrong. You understand it and you're accountable for it. You're a sinner. That's why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came to live a life that we could not live. Jesus Christ lived a life of absolute perfection. He's the only one that walked the face of this earth that was absolutely righteous, which means he did right all the time. He was holy. He lived a life that you and I could not live, and he demonstrated the fact that it's possible to do that, but we're not able to because we were born sinners. But Jesus Christ, he did it because he was God. He was born of Mary. See, this, this resurrection, we talk about Resurrection Sunday, it all goes back talking about Christmas. Jesus being born of a virgin, why is that important? Because he was born of God. He wasn't born of man. He wasn't born with a sinful nature like you and I. He was born of a virgin, and, and he was laid there in that manger there in Bethlehem, and he lit, grew up and lived his life just like you and I do. He was tempted like you and I are tempted. By the way, being tempted isn't sin. It's when we give in to that temptation it becomes sin. He was tempted, and yet he never gave in to that temptation. And yet we know the story, we've already heard it many times in song, we've looked at it, and how Jesus Christ, he began his earthly ministry and did all the wonderful miracles to prove who he was, and he healed people, he even raised people from the dead. And yet he said there was coming a time that was coming near to his disciples that he was going to have to be arrested, and, and he was going to have to be tried, and he's going to have to be nailed to an old rugged cross. But he wouldn't stay dead. Three days later, he'd rise again. He told them that he would do that. He had to die first, though, to pay the sin debt. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Sin causes death. Have you sinned? What we deserve is death. That's what the law states. I'm thankful, though, that Jesus Christ, he loved us so much, that God loved us so much, that he made it possible that we don't have to pay our own sin debt. The Bible says this in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth. That means he showed or he demonstrated, but God uh, commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're celebrating Easter and we talk about this past week, how Christ died. He died for you. He died for me. He died to pay that sin debt that we could not pay ever. No matter how good we tried to be, no matter how religious we tried to be, no matter what religious things we went through, it has to come down to a decision we make in our life of whether or not we're going to be born again or not, or we're going to receive Christ or reject Him. You ever heard of that phrase, born again? It didn't come up with a preacher at a Baptist church. It came up with Jesus Christ Himself. He's the first one to mention it in John chapter 3. 
He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You can't go to heaven without being born again. So we realize that we're sinners where we've got to start. We realize the penalty of sin is death. We, we acknowledge and believe that Jesus died for us. Would you agree with that today? Christ died for you. We realize that without being born again, we can't go to heaven. So how do we get born again? How does that happen? When God created man, he created him in a, in a, a trichotomy, a body, soul, and spirit, three parts. Created in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit is a, a picture of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When God created man, he formed him out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they sinned against God. They disobeyed God. They ate of that fruit that they were not supposed to eat. God told them if they ate of it, they would surely die. You know the story. They ate of that. They did die. Spiritually, immediately, they were severed in their relationship with God. Physically, they began to die. Sin causes death. And every one of us, we are born of this world dead spiritually. That's why you must be born again. That's what Jesus was talking about to that religious leader of the Jews, Nicodemus, when he told this man that was great in religion, great in going to, to synagogue and going to the temple and doing all the religious acts that a man would do in order to be religious, and yet he was lost. That means he was on his way to hell. Religion didn't save Nicodemus. Jesus said, except a man be born again. How does a man get born again? You go back in the verse I quoted you a moment ago in, in Romans chapter three, uh, 6 and verse number uh, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. It goes on, though. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. It's a gift that God paid for with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, with his life Get given to pay the price for that gift of everlasting life. And God today, right now, He is offering to you the gift of everlasting life. What do you got to do to receive a gift? Simply take it. Simply receive it. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not talking about going to some man and confessing. It's talking about going to God and confessing with our mouth what we believe in our heart. Once again, I ask the question, do you believe that you're a sinner? you know it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin? Do you believe that he rose again the third day? That's what we're celebrating today. He rose from the dead to be victorious for you, to have victory over the grave for you. He died to pay your sin debt. He rose from the grave to give you victory, that you can have everlasting life. You can be born again today. You can have the Lord as your Savior, knowing that you're on your way to heaven by simply receiving a gift, not something you have to pay for. It's already been bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not something you could be good enough for. If you could be good enough for it, then why did Jesus die? No, you can't be good enough. It's something you receive by faith when you believe in your heart. Do you believe it? Do you believe in your heart that Christ died for you? Will you accept the gift? God is offering it to you right now. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, you can put your name in there. For me, it was a Sunday night. I remember back to that night. And I remember that verse being shared with me. For if Brian shall call upon the name of the Lord... Brian shall be saved. Hmm, that's me. 
called on the name of the Lord, believing in my heart Jesus died for me and that he rose again. And I accepted that gift. God gave it to me that night. And I'm so thankful that I was born again, made alive spiritually, having a relationship with God and knowing that I'm on my way to heaven. Do you know, have you received that gift? Would you stand with me with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray?